welcome to the Three Bald Guys Talk Marketing Podcast with Three Bald Guys. Fred Peritsky of FCP Digital, Paul Schindel of Three Bears Communications, and freelance writer Rodney Warner. Welcome back to Three Bald Guys Talk Marketing with me, uh, freelance writer, Rodney Warner. Fred Peritsky, FCP Digital, full service digital marketing agency, specializing in WordPress web design. And Paul Schindel, Three Bears, advertising marketing communications agency, Princeton, New Jersey, and the rest of the world. And welcoming Mike Joseph uh, from Firehouse Bicycles today. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing? morning guys good how are you all good you selling any bicycles these days yeah got, got a few that run out the door tell us more <laughs> oh uh you know it's been pretty busy for the last what eight weeks since everything happened i don't think we had any indication what was going to happen when when things started to close down but um you know shortly after we got an influx of repair bikes and a lot of people buying bicycles um, because now everybody's at home. So, you know, it's been great. You know, it's been exhausting, but uh, the alternative isn't great either. You know, I, I looked at your LinkedIn page and it looks like you have a, a degree in advertising from Michigan State. Yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's, what was, was getting the degree the mistake or is the mistake on your LinkedIn page? Maybe a little of both. I don't know. Yes, I have a degree in advertising. I, just at the time, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. And I had a brother-in-law who's still in advertising, loved it, uh, was up in New York. And uh, I gave that a shot. And, um, and and it was fun for a time. But eventually, I figured out it really wasn't what I had my heart set on. So uh, I moved on from that. You how, long, how, how long have you been in the bike business? Mm, it's about 1995, I suppose. So. And also, uh, your LinkedIn page says you were you were the manager of Cops Cycle in Princeton. Yeah, over in Princeton for about I guess about six years it was something like that. I know it well. It's one of the great great shops in the area. I, I'm a regular rider. In fact, I'm uh, looking forward to uh, trying out the Cobbs Creek Trail uh, this afternoon, starting in in. Um, the Schuylkill River Park, that's a new trail that the Philly uh, Bike Club just published. Oh, cool. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there are a number of really good cycle shops in the area. Um, what is it that distinguishes your shop from the others, and how do you leverage that with the audience? Uh, you know, I don't, you know, when you're at your own shop constantly, I don't really know the other shops that well. Um, I know some of the guys. What distinguishes ours? It's the only one in Yardley. You know, there's not many bike shops out there, so we're all kind of distinguished individually, I think. You know, people get to know you, and, you know, if, they, if it works, they keep coming back to you. You know, I, I think I've been going to your shop since you started. You were selling different bikes back then. I mean, is, is the choice of brands, you know, part of how you market yourself? Yeah, that's probably not a, a bad way to look at it. Um, we started with a couple of brands, Jameis and Bianchi, both, you know, good brands. And, um, you know, we did just fine with them. Um, I sold specialized bikes, you know, it was the first bike shop I worked at. We sold specialized in Trek. So I knew the brand well. Um, mm -hmm. 
I kind of wanted to sell it, but they didn't, you know, we approached them when we opened the shop, but um, they didn't have a, you know, a dealership open for us at the time. Uh, do, they, do they have uh, exclusive geographies that they assign? Yeah, yeah, it's exclusive as long as you keep buying a lot, I think. Yeah, okay, yeah, I got my Bianchi uh, from uh, from Cops. It's probably 20 years ago now. Yeah, yeah, that's half the reason I started with Bianchi. I was familiar with them. and But yeah, it's, you know, Specialized came knocking after we were, you know, kind of a little bit more established and, and I was happy to bring them on. It's, you know, it's a, a big company, very aggressive, international you know, if you watch the Tour de France, half the teams in there almost are riding a specialized. Um, yeah. So it's, if there was one issue with Jameis and Bianchi, you know, during the sales process was the very first question. What's Jameis? What's Bianchi? Whereas mm -hmm. most people walking in the door know what a specialized is. You know, I can I can say from, from personal experience, you know, I do a fair amount of fundraising. And, you know, you're one of the local businesses who donates your services uh, it looks like to a number of, of nonprofits, if somebody knocks on your door, that you're probably going to help them out somehow. Do you see that as, as part of your marketing? Yeah, I, I would say that's probably the biggest surprise. You know, when I opened the shop, I always knew, I, you know, you wanted to sponsor the local baseball team. You grew up with, you know, I grew up playing for Makefield Gardens, which I think is where Marazzo's is now, or maybe it was somewhere else. But you know, I always look forward to doing that type of sponsorship and it just expanded and, and it's been, you know, a lot of fun when somebody walks through the door to just say, yes, you know, we'll do that. It's local. Um, in fact, I tend to encourage these people to come back because, you know, I won't remember to reach out every year because mm -hmm. I'll, be get, I'll get into the work and, you know, you just don't have time to, hey, look, who should I sponsor today? So I always tell people to just keep coming back in and usually we can help them out. Now your building is is the old is an old firehouse, right? Thus, thus the name. And on the other side, there's been a couple businesses. I remember it was like a a frozen yogurt place, and yeah. and now there's like a Mexican restaurant. I mean, have you ever thought of taking over the whole building? I've ever thought of it. Sure, you always think that, and, <laughs> um, you know, and then you consider what you know what the rent is, and will you will you make enough sales to justify that? takeover you know giant takeover yeah keep keep your uh you know here's a here's a bit of a bit of advice that you probably already know is keep your overhead low and if you have you know the work to do and the, enough to flow then uh then maybe you should uh hire another you know mechanic part-time or something better uh better volume better turnaround that way yeah. did you, did you want to say something fred I've been trying. Yes, I would like to. So as you can see, I'm wearing my bike helmet because I'm not riding my bike right this minute. Safe. But I used to ride a lot when I was younger, when my kids were younger, and I, I got back into it recently. So I would say I'm an occasional bike rider, not like Paul is. What would you recommend people, you know, what any age, I'm in my 60s, what kind of bike, not brand so much, but what type of bike do you think would be a good way to start for people that want some good exercise, especially now when really you're limited in how you can exercise and bike, bike riding is really one of the best. Yeah. I think it always depends on your, the area you live in, but you know, in general for, for that, that type of individual, there's a lot of really nice bikes out there that have like low entry. So it's just really easy to get on and off the bike. I, I see that, you know, pretty much every day 
a lot of times you pull a bike out for someone and and there's you know that trepidation just mm -hmm. getting on the bike for people so you know there's low entry bikes there's bikes with you know the front ends really rise up to meet their hands they don't have to lean over as much so you know bikes with uh, you know and the industry gets better and better i think each year making the whole experience easier for people with you know gearing uh some of the gearing you know it used to have be you always had 24 gears right and and i think companies marketed that as an enticement right you know all these gears you got lots of gears and probably enough feedback over decades has pushed it the opposite way um where you're they're actually having bicycles with less gear seven gears 10 gears 12 gears uh and without the front uh derailleur which is a challenging shift for just about everybody we're looking and we'll post on the uh on the feed um, a snapshot of the of the uh, of Mike in the shop and the bike that he's been working on, which is in the background, looks to be a low entry, high handlebar kind of easy access bike for someone who's uh, getting back into it. Is that is that correct, Mike? Yeah, that's a cruiser bike, exactly. Uh, you know, upright, comfortable, single ring, just a few gears in the back. Seems um, boring to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> to each his own. It's right. A, it's a classic Huffy, and, you know, maybe people raise their nose to Huffies, but, you know, as long as they're adjusted decently and people don't, don't get their expectations too high for how this bicycle is going to, you know, you're not going to take this for 100 miles. Um, no. What does that, that bike weigh? Uh, that bike probably weighs 40 to 45 pounds. It's heavy. Yeah, okay. So as far as the, the, the future of bicycling, how big is, is electricity? And, and do you see that being a, a big impact for your shop? Yeah, uh, that's, you've hit on probably the industry's biggest growth spot, I guess, which would be e-bikes. Um, we've seen it here. I've always had an e-bike in stock for the past five years. And we'd sell, you know, a couple a year here and there. Uh, I would say last fall, it kind of started to explode uh, with more people asking. I repeat this story to people a lot. Um, but the first two customers of the year in Jan, you know, after Christmas, everybody's broke. They've spent all their money on gifts and such. So you don't really have a high expectations when you come open the shop again in January. But anyway, on January 2nd, when I came in, I, I'll just never forget customer one that walked through the door asked me if we had e-bikes. And about two and a half, three hours later, customer two walked in the door and asked us if we had e-bikes. It's a very growing trend. The bikes are less expensive than they were. They work better. They have a lot of different options now. There's not just one e-bike. You have e-mountain bikes, e-road bikes. You know, I think it has the, the potential to, to really broaden your audience to people who maybe they're maybe either out of shape or they just don't, they're afraid to bike long distances. And I think this opens up potentially a lot of new customers. Yeah, you, I mean, you do enough reading, you probably can find an article out there. I, somebody told me, or maybe I'd read it a while ago, that e-bikes are, they're having this effect of people riding more. I mean, maybe it sounds silly, but, you know, a lot of time I think, a lot of people buy a bike with good intentions and they might ride it a few times and then put it away. I think some of the e-bikes take some of that. Um, this is my theory anyway, 
maybe that concern that, hey, if I ride my bike out five miles, am I going to be able to make it back home? You know, maybe an e-bike takes that concern away, or if, am I going to be able to get up that hill? You know, maybe it takes that concern away, and that is why, you know, that interest level. But they are, you know, there's a lot of them out there. The specialized bikes, they, they put a lot of resources into them. They're excellent. And they, you know, like everything else, the price is coming down, the product's getting better. I think it's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what, what do you see, um, what effect do all of these uh, bike sharing services have on your business? Does that increase people wanting to ride more when you can, they're so available uh, in different cities? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously it doesn't, we're in Yardley. It's a little town, a little mm-hmm. borough. It's, isn't New York City as much as we think it is. So it doesn't have a whole lot of effect on us, but you know, I think, that it's a great thing. A lot of those bikes are low entry bikes. So the cities are, you know, at least designing them or, or taking on a design that people are going to at least attempt to get on. Uh, and they work great. I was in Chicago with my son and we were going to a bears game and we stayed downtown and it was three miles away and we jumped on a, a, a rental bike. Mm-hmm. You, know, you just put your credit card in now, you know, it's a few bucks. It unlocks. We rode down to soldier field, saw the game rode back it was you know oh no we didn't ride back because all the all the e-bikes were taken (laughs) so you walked so we walked back three months but it was a nice day so it didn't matter but that's that kind of tells you how i mean there was uh, whatever sixty thousand people to choose you know 40 bikes or whatever they had around the stadium so they were gone but it was great to ride down you can i imagine new york city is the same way you can experience a lot more of the city on a bike yeah, in philadelphia also i i saw um we were in uh, israel recently where our, our younger daughter and her family live and they had a lot of uh scooters electric scooter shared rides in addition to the bikes which i wanted to try one out but i figured i'd be smart and not do it my idea for to do this podcast was when i went into your shop a couple of weeks ago i think one of your employees was outside there was about you know boxes of about a dozen new bikes and then right. i went inside to get my bike fixed and there were like four or five other customers in the back of your shop of course we're all wearing masks and we're supposed to be six feet apart but of course we weren't because we're all jammed into the back of your shop and i looked at your website today and, and essentially your homepage says in not so many words please stay away i'm really busy i have to ca- i i need to catch up don't come here and I, I have to say, uh, I, you don't see many websites of businesses saying, dude, yeah. <laughs> give me a break. Yeah, no. you, know, uh, you know, stay away. Has the time that you own this shop, has there been anything like this? No, definitely not. It's, you know, I'm not, I don't think any of us get into bike shops to, to say no to people, right? Mm-hmm. Can, can you fix this for me? No, you know, that's <laughs> it's just not part of the makeup. You know, you want to help everybody that comes through the door but it's just a unique situation essentially we got to the point where you're dropping your bike off it's going to take us two weeks so if that just continued i'm going to start saying three weeks to people and what what's the point of it sitting here for three weeks as opposed to just everything maybe calming down a bit to where i mean we've always been busy march through the you know, the end of August, where I'm generally saying it's going to take me a week if you have a tune-up. I mean, we've just always had that situation, and most people are fine with it. But you get to two weeks, and you know now you're trying to walk people back from the ledge, and 
and say, you know, you can do other things besides ride your bike for, <laughs> you know, one of the, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about how things might change. There's talk about people riding bikes more. Does the fact of COVID-19 impacted how you might view long-term what you might do with the shop or what's going on with the industry? Might you be more inclined to expand or do something more or are you just going to ride this out and just figure out it's just going to it's just going to peter out eventually when you have some downtime you consider the future but really my hope is that this ends like with everybody else like i would just as soon trade all the business we had for hundred thousand people not passing away. Right. I would trade it all for millions of people not losing their job. I, you know, I think a lot of us would trade it all for that because it was, it was great before then. You know, I just think it's a terrible situation what's going on when stuff doesn't happen to you. Sometimes it's, you know, you don't really see what the big deal is, but obviously people's lives have been shattered and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and, plan for this grand future of expansion during that. It's just not what I'm going to do. Mike, I was going to ask you about a little bit about the structure of profit areas in bike shops. So you, you sell bikes, you sell accessories, and you sell repairs. At least those are the primary things that I can think of. And I'm kind of wondering where the sweet spot is for you in terms of revenue and profitability, including how online sales have affected the bike industry? Sweet spot. I mean, there's industries out there that probably do a better job of telling you what shops make based on bike sales versus service. But, you know, in my head, it's about 60% bike sales, 40% service. But it's it's hard for me to measure accurately because, you know, a lot of the repairs you're adding you know, kickstand grips, chains, uh, stuff like that. But you know, it's it's not. I don't think it's equal, right? One of the one of the sectors has more than the other, but it's it's not far from equal. Bikes sales versus the service department. So that, I mean, service is hugely important. I mean, it just is. I, I think that's why people come into the shop. Most of the bike, the bikes. I've always looked at the bikes as selling themselves they're they're beautiful they ride great as long as i set them up well you know i don't have to spend a lot of time talking about them and most people don't want to hear me talk about them so and then the online sales thing you know that's been around since i was at cops you know and cops was a successful shop and as far as us like you know online sales i've never been terribly interested in it that's probably for a bigger shop to do um, i'd rather just focus on the service area of the shop as you guys all know, there's just a ton of information out there, which is awesome until you try and make a decision on all that information <laughs> and it's challenging. So sometimes the bike shop becomes an easier, you know, just come down, maybe I should just ride something. And, and so we become that, that right. easier outlet after everybody fries their brain on the internet. Yeah, right. I can't Mike, imagine buying yeah. a bicycle online, yeah. for example, without, you know, it's like buying a pair of shoes online. Maybe it'll fit, maybe it won't. And fit, obviously, is an important piece of, of owning and riding a bicycle. Yeah, I was going to say something similar. When I decided to get back into bike riding just last spring, I did all my work online. And then I said, even, you know, being a web designer and involved in SEO, I said, there's no way I'm buying a bike online. There's so many factors that I need to see and feel and sit on it and balance myself. But um, I'm used to taking my bike 
in, especially when my son and I used to do mountain biking for repairs and tune-ups. What do you recommend at a minimum? What intervals should people bring their bike in? And is there something major that they should look at to tell them, like the, the novice like myself now, it's time to take your bike in, just like you would know to take your car in more than just that inspection time. Is there a, is there a, uh, like a giveaway that, hey, something's wrong, I better take it in? Yeah, I think, I think for the general, you know, one, a tune-up each year if you're riding is sufficient, you know, and, and you'll know if you're riding more than that, your bike's going to start telling you, you know, maybe you need to bring it in later in the year for tires or chain again. Maintenance-wise, number one is always air pressure. and It's, it's the one thing nobody does, nobody mm -hmm. wants to do. I don't want to do it with my car like everyone else. Um, it's a pain, but with bikes, it's probably even more important that the air pressure is right on the sidewall of every single tire I've ever seen. You know, sometimes it's hard to find, but it'll tell you a minimum and maximum. And pumping is hard, like it just is, mm -hmm. but it gets easier the more you do it. So I usually tell people, try and do it once a week. If you start getting into a rhythm, it becomes a lot easier as opposed to waiting six or eight weeks. And then, and then you really got to sit there and pump the thing. Right. Right. No. And, and soft tires are, are a, a gateway to flat tires. Yeah, that, that definitely. I would say 70, I don't know, 70% of flats are air pressure related. It's just, you just, you can tell when you repair, they flatted because of that. And that, that's usually most of the time. Mike, have you ever considered, or well, let me, tell me if it makes sense to um, offer your customers a, a, a tune-up special at the end of the year. I mean, between, you know, whenever most people put their bikes away for the winter, which is not me, does it make sense for to, you know, from October through Thanksgiving to run a, a tune-up special? You know, the bike, you're going to get it tuned up. You're going to put it away for the most part, and it's going to be ready to go in the spring. You can possibly build some volume repair volume during that time and uh people and and even out the flow of uh you know of spring traffic one of the things that faces a lot of different uh retailers is um is raising raising the valleys and controlling the peaks and certainly that's something that you're experiencing right now yeah, that's, um, you know, that's probably that marketing class that I missed in college. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's a great idea. Um, definitely worthy of looking into it. In fact, we do do a tune-up sale at the beginning of the year, which I have to credit, you know, I started the shop partner and um, that was his idea to do a tune-up sale in early spring to kind of do exactly that kind of thin, thin that peaks and valley. And usually, you know, we, we used to get snow. That yeah, doesn't happen remember that? Yeah. Um, and January and February, you always, you know, I always looked at it as a zero, zero months. Like you planned around those two months. If you sold a helmet that day in January, you were happy. So you would, you know, we used to do the tune-up sale. We still do in February because it's a slow month. So yeah, I mean, looking into doing maybe an end of the season tune-up sale is not the worst idea. Fred, uh, what's your takeaway? My takeaway is what I always really thought is that if you're going to uh, buy anything that's, that you're taking um, sort of like a risk with, you're driving a bicycle on the streets, on a highway, take the time and investigate, buy, 
from a bike shop where a professional can tell you what to do, how to do it, and when to bring it in. So my, my one takeaway is use a professional bike shop like Mike and Firehouse Cycles. Okay, how about you, Paul? I have two takeaways. One is if you don't wear a helmet every time you oh. ride your bike, you're a dangerous fool and you should uh, get off your bike and go buy a helmet. 100%. Um, and that, that applies not only to kids who in many cases are required by law to wear helmets, but adults not wearing helmets these days is like people not wearing masks. Um, exactly. If you, you know, if you're wearing a helmet and you crash, you'll have an opportunity to crash again. But if you're wearing a helmet and you're, or if you're not wearing a helmet and you crash, you're screwed. Nobody wants a brain injury or worse. And uh, that's number one. Number two is shop local. The expertise that you get, the convenience that you get, and the ability to come back and talk with the experts is priceless. And uh, I encourage everybody to shop local, um, including at Firehouse Cycles. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. So I'd just like to thank Mike for, for all the donations that he gives to all of us, you know, raising funds. I think that's a way of marketing that, I mean, obviously it's a pain for a lot of small businesses when people are knocking on their doors with their, with their hands out. And, and I've, I've definitely gotten blown off myself by many a small business owner, but you know, a great way of marketing is getting people in the door. And if, and if, you know, that's, you know, if they have a, a positive experience and then they're going to say nice things about you. So, so donating to that local charity can really be a big help, especially if you're a small business like, uh, like Firehouse Cycles. So, uh, so on that note, I'd like to thank Mike for his time. And, you know, this is an audio recording. This is a podcast. And I think we've done about a dozen shows. And I think this is, this is the first one where our guest was literally working during the recording i mean that's that's <laughs> that's that's how busy mike is and we we greatly appreciate his time this is actually episode 17 17 okay yeah. i stand i stand uh, i stand uh, corrected well, so I'd be able uh, to hear this on like npr later tonight or in the morning absolutely yeah we also run on fox news in case you in case <laughs> yeah. you uh, watch that too we'll, so, we'll yeah we'll tell you where you can find it in our uh, so in our endings so, you know, we just like to uh, thank Mike, thank for all of the listeners, and uh, thank you everybody for subscribing. And so, so where can the uh, our podcast be found, Fred? You, you can find our podcast at uh, threeballedguyspodcast.com. Also, anywhere that you subscribe to podcasts, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on and on and on. So we, we just posted episode 15 uh, today, and uh, this will be up in a week or so. And Mike, thank you very much. This is Fred Peritsky, FCP Digital, Full Service Digital Marketing Agency in Richboro and Philly. And Paul Schindel, Three Bears Advertising Marketing Communications. And I'm Rodney Warner, freelance commercial writer. You can check out my website at rodneywarner.net. You could also send me an email at rodney at rodneywarner.net. If you want to check out Firehouse Cycles website, they are at firehousecycles.com and uh, they're located uh, 15 South Main Street in Yardley. That's 15 South Main Street and we thank you very much for listening to the podcast and until next time 
Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us at the Three Bald Guys Talk Marketing Podcast. Please join us again next time. Check out our website at three, the number three, baldguyspodcast.com. Until next time, may the good marketing be yours. Thank you.